1: Executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on v the Sports Betting
4: Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Hour 2 of the Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM. We are live from Las Vegas. Stormy Bonantoni with you. Michael Lombardi getting some vacation time in. So very grateful that the one and only Jonathan Bontoble at me, JVT. There's actually Hold another Jonathan Bontobel
2: out there. Really? Uh, when I had a MySpace back in the day, he added me. We were friends. So he's in Germany. I'm out here.
4: No way. Yeah. Did you guys like get along well? Did you? Was there a, a language barrier issue?
2: I mean, no, not really. Because uh, I don't really, I don't ever remember like interacting with him. He just added okay. me. He was not in my top five, though. I'll tell you that.
4: One. <laughs> oh, I miss the MySpace days. Those then were the times. Then you, you go to the you the go bulletins. to the page. The
2: You uh the music would play right. You could pick your music. Yes. Yep.
4: Oh man, those were some good times. Like, and if you whatever song you picked out. Everyone read way too much into That's about right. like what was going on in your life. Like if I remember one of my friends had Rihanna's unfaithful as her song. We're like, oh my gosh, is something wrong with you and Drew? But no, it's just a good What's song. What's happening? No, it's just a it's just a beautiful You tune. and Drew,
2: how old are we? Like 15? <laughs> yeah, roughly
4: yeah. around that time. Um good stuff. Time for a fun little segment of No Way or No Doubt. So there's a number of news news items across the NFL, across the NBA, that I just want to gauge your opinion on, whether something like, oh, absolutely, no way, or if you disagree with it, okay? Okay. All right, so we're going to start in the NBA with the one and only Kevin Durant. Now that he has made his son's debut, Kevin Durant is the best individual player in the Western Conference. No way or no doubt.
2: So I'm supposed to say whether or not I disagree. no No way. No, I'll say no way. Look, injuries are part of this. Part of greatness is availability or whatever the heck they say all the time, Right. Nikola Jokic is kind of an iron man. The guy's around all the time, he plays really well. It looks like he's on the verge of winning his third MVP. And if we're talking about like just pure basketball, like sure is he Kevin Durant a better player? I guess I'll say yes, but if we're talking about the context of the league and availability and everything that we know about, I would say no way.
4: Okay, well, because you mentioned Nikola Jokic, we might as well go there for the next one it's because like stat padding is the reason that he is averaging a triple double this season. No way or no doubt.
2: No way. No way. Uh, Now, I will say, look, so he's not stat padding. It's ridiculous. Stat padding, of course, is like Russell Westbrook would stat pad back in the day with the Oklahoma City Thunder, where Steven Adams would move out of the way so he could grab a rebound or something like that. Now – Is Nikola Jokic painfully aware of this winning streak when it comes to these triple-doubles? Absolutely. Uh, Evidence, (laughs) of course, uh, at the end of the Clippers game on Sunday where he was sitting on nine assists all throughout overtime and then decided to then throw up a lob for Bruce Brown to put him up, I think, nine or ten with the game salted away so he could get the tenth assist and a triple-double and improve to whatever it was uh, in terms of his uh, undefeated record with the triple-double. So is he stat-padding? No. Is he aware of what the triple-doubles are and what the narratives are around them? I don't think there's really any question of that.
4: Uh, well, after his 100th triple double, he kind of made light of the stat padding, which I appreciate. Let's take a listen.
1: Nikola, what does 100 triple doubles mean to you? I mean,
5: when you stat padding, it's easy, you know. So
6: <laughs> you heard that, right? You heard
4: the stat padding stuff out there.
5: Yes, of course. I mean, it's What's true. What's
4: your reaction? His face, dude, so flat.
2: The uh, the Serbian sloth, I think, is like the nickname for him, which is a <laughs> is a really good one. The guy's so serious. He was asked, I think it was during All Star Break, somebody asked him like, if you started at a JV game, like, what would you, how many points would you score in a JV game in high school? And he's like, oh, you know, I would just try my best. I'm like, no, say you would <laughs> score like 200 points and you say would destroy you would these roast children, these small yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Let's go, dude.
4: Um. So in terms of the odds for him for MVP. Preseason opened nine to one, was minus two fifty at the all-star break, now minus three eighty at Bet MGM. And per John Ewing of Bet MGM, the majority of money, around twenty percent, is on him. And I think that like a lot of people, because the defense hasn't been there for Nikola Jokic the way that it is for some other players, he gets knocked for it mm-hmm. a bit as he like looks to three peat for the award. But like the numbers with him on the court versus off the court for Denver are staggering.
2: Oh, yeah, they're crazy. I'll get the exact numbers for you per 100 possessions in a second. But, no, they, they are. And, look, I, I think overall when it comes to the whole MVP thing, there is a bet to make. Giannis is not dead by any stretch. And I will take you So there's a couple of things here. He's
4: plus 850 right now. And, and
2: it, by the way, a couple of days ago when the markets thought he was going to get injured, he was, he's like 14 to 1 at yeah. some spots, I think even here. um, I think it's – you can check the schedule for me, Elliot. I think it's March 28th for the Denver Nuggets. They play host – to the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis Antetokounmpo. It is the second leg of a back-to-back. The Bucks have the Utah Jazz the day before that. But I'll take you back about three weeks ago. Philadelphia played Denver. Joel Embiid buried a triple in Nikola Jokic's grill to essentially win that game. And what happened? Joel Embiid vaulted up the MVP odds to the second choice. He vaulted over Giannis. He vaulted over all these other guys. If Giannis continues to play basketball, at the level he is. He was brilliant again uh, when we saw him last and they continue to win games, that game, it shouldn't, but that game against the Denver Nuggets is going to be very important for the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay. And Giannis Antetokounmpo to win MVP.
4: Saturday, March 25th.
2: 25th. Okay, I was close. It was kind of an eight-looking number.
4: (laughs) Yeah, you can get that confused every now and then. All right, let's go to the NFL. Tuatunga-Vailoa. His injury history should make the Dolphins reconsider signing him to a long-term deal. He had two... Confirmed concussions, but we all know it was three. What do you think?
2: Should I play the role of Michael? No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Like because I, I, he doesn't really like Tua low that much, I guess. Yeah, you have um, to go full full Michael yeah.
4: Lombardi on this one. <laughs> this is the Tua haters club now.
2: I, I feel like I feel like these injuries, though. Right, we're talking about concussions. They're not like soft tissue injuries that continue to come up or anything. He has shown us brittle is is a very negative term when it comes to athletes in, in their bodies right because that means you're not very available he's had a long like uh, history mm-hmm. of different injuries as well so i guess i i guess i would say no doubt because there's a long history there but i would think that like i feel like go back to the concussions he suffered and i, I don't know who i was talking to about this the other day but the nature of those concussions where he's like getting whipped back and hitting the back of his head right on the on the turf like those falls don't generally happen for quarterbacks. I feel like it was really bad luck yeah. the way that he was suffering these concussions in such a consecutive quick well, and consecutive if he's like manner.
4: Doing judo now or something to learn how to fall properly yeah. to like damage himself and less. Look at
2: let's let's talk about Matt Stafford. At the beginning of Matthew Stafford's career, he was going to be injury prone. He had missed a lot of time, he had suffered multiple injuries and missed a lot of games. And then for about what, six, seven, eight seasons, he was an Iron Man. He was playing through everything, he through he was, everything and he yeah. was perfectly fine. So I, I would say if that's like the only thing that's holding you back, I I don't think that should. If you believe in him as a quarterback, that shouldn't really hold you back if you think he's injury-concerned but or injury-prone. Mm-hmm. But if he's injury-prone on top of you, don't think that he's got a very high ceiling, then – No doubt, no doubt.
4: And so GM Chris Greer Greer did express, like, some concern about his durability but said not enough to not give him a long-term deal. But my question is, like, I think that you have to take that into account with your structure. Because So what are your options right now? It's the long-term contract, it's picking up the fifth-year option, or it's the Daniel Jones track where you don't pick up the fifth-year option and just, like, kind of see what happens from there. Mm -hmm. But with Tua, if you want to give him the deal, do you not have to work in something that, like, is – Gives you, it incentivizes playing more games. Essentially, like financially protect yourself as the team.
2: I mean, you could try, but then he tells you to kick rocks, and he's gone. Because mm. uh, we saw that. Which um, oh, it's was Kyrie. I'm
4: just, I'm just trying to think, like where Tua sits right now. Through four years is like it's very different. Where like the Aaron Rodgers holds all the cards with the Green Bay Packers. I feel like the Dolphins hold more cards here. With oh, Tua. I would say yeah. So. You're, I
2: think you're right. And he like the the level of play hasn't been. He looked great at times this year. He also looked pretty poor at times this year. So I mean, I, you know, you're right in terms of leverage, and it's just the problem is if you're the the Dolphins. The, the question is always, like, the, right, the grass always looks greener on the other side, but then once you get over there, like, who who are you getting? Who are you honestly getting that you know is going to perform better than Tua when he was at his best for you this season? And I think that's a really hard question to ask, unless you know you have an inside track on, like, a Lamar Jackson or something like that.
4: Well, and let's get to it, because the wow, Baltimore like Ravens are asking themselves a very similar question. Who are we going to get better than Lamar Jackson? And uh, the Ravens, so here, no way or no doubt, the Ravens will complete a deal with Lamar Jackson before the March 7th deadline to use the franchise tag.
2: So, like, he signed and he's signed, good? Oh, yeah, no he signed, yeah, he doesn't get tagged. No way, no way. <laughs> I, if, if that was the case, then they, this would be done by now. Wouldn't it? I mean, we were five days away from that deadline. There's
1: no way he's going to sign
4: well, the, the deal. Well, let's listen to Mr. General Manager here.
1: Uh, we're hopeful that we'll get a deal done with Lamar before that happens. But uh, sure, they're big numbers. We're, we've known they're big numbers. We're prepared for that. And we've got four or five or six different plans based on what happens over the next 10 days.
4: Four five, six different He's, plans.
1: He said absolutely nothing.
2: <laughs> That's not a quote of any substance whatsoever. Like, oh, we're hopeful. Like, I'm hopeful I walk out of here and somebody right. hands me a million dollars. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. Do
4: you see the tweet from Lamar Jackson the other day? No, what was it? Very cryptic a few days ago. said, Shocking. No matter the circumstances, never crack, just relax.
2: That's not that cryptic. I think that's just like weird, like TikTok or Instagram type of inspirational stuff.
4: Harbaugh also yesterday said he is fervently hopeful and excited. Can't wait for the deal to get done with Lamar. He's my guy.
2: Yeah. I mean, look, what's he supposed to say? Like, look, guys, it looks pretty bad. I Like, he doesn't want to play here. It's all over. Um, but we'll move on. Nah, I mean, they're all going to say this thing. Harbaugh also said, what, three weeks ago? I think we played the clip on Live at Saturday at 200%. 200%. Which is impossible. And, like, that's not going to happen. So, no, they're not going to sign up by the deadline, and uh, he'll be an Atlanta Falcon. How about that? Oh, wow. I'll throw even more onto the fire. Let's go.
4: Why do you think that? Why do you think Atlanta? Uh,
2: only because uh, Jason Lock and Fora, or as Tim Murray calls him, JLC, uh, came onto the show when I was filling in the other day and said that uh, the Atlanta Falcons are looking to push for a deal.
4: So, So is that something that, okay, like let's say March 7th comes, they franchise tag him is that like they just in the short term to kind of figure out their next steps like they're not going to make a move right now Well it would
2: have to be one of those the non-exclusive Yeah, the non-exclusive tags. Okay. But yeah, I mean if that's slapped on him then yeah, I think there's I don't think he's going to be a Raven. It sounds very clear that it's not going to be a Raven.
4: But everybody that, so all of us from the outside looking in say that, and it's like a consensus agreement that it just doesn't make sense. We've been going on this saga for years now, and Lamar Jackson and the team haven't gotten a deal done, but then everything coming from the team is, oh, we're, we're going to get this stuff. Well, they
2: have to say that, though.
4: But do they?
2: Yes, they do. I they have know. to say that.
4: I think that they should go public with what their offers are. Well, of w-
2: course, we should go. I want to
4: know. Kind
0: of I want to know what's happening.
4: No way or no doubt. That was fun. You did a wonderful Mike Lombardi impression. We're going to step no doubt, aside no when we come back, professional handicapper Mike Somich joins the show. Don't go anywhere.
0: That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
5: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.
4: We are rolling along here. v the sports betting network, live from Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas alongside Jonathan Von Tobel who's hanging out with us in for Michael Lombardi this week. I'm Stormy Bonantoni. And it is time to get the lowdown from professional handicapper Mike Somich, who joins the show now at Somobomb18, S-O-M-O-B-O-M-B-18. Welcome in. And I mean, again, we, we were talking about it in the break a moment ago, but just world-class name and Twitter handle there, my guy.
3: Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, it came from freshman wrestling. I, I came up with my own move, and in the three weeks that we actually had to do it, and uh, it stuck for 20-plus years here.
2: So we're we're Samo bombed everybody now.
4: That's a little bit of a cooler nickname than what JVT just told me his was in high school.
2: Yeah, I dislocated my toe in a freshman uh, camp, and uh, they called me Jonathan Von Toe Bull. <laughs> it's funny how those things stick.
4: See, my name's Stormy and everybody just thinks it's a nickname, but it's my real name, and so I never actually get a nickname. And the one time I did, it was Storm Drain. And I it was it's the meanest of the <laughs> names that you could ina- come up with.
2: Sounds extremely inappropriate <laughs> and offensive. Yes. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but okay, let's get into some of the things that you're looking at today and you're with the the deep cuts in the college basketball conference tournaments here, which I love. Let's start in the Patriot League. What did what stood out to you when you looked at Lehigh and Lafayette today?
3: Yeah, I love these conference tournaments love these these lines which don't get enough attention on the board you see a lot of people betting into the major top five conferences so I think there's a little more weakness than these lower level conference games especially when it comes to the conference tournaments uh, Lehigh's taken on Lafayette they've played twice this year Lehigh was able to take care of business by double digits at home they played on the road and when you go back and you look at the game Lehigh controlled that game for the mass majority of it we're up 14 with 12 minutes left in the second half only scored 12 points the rest of the game To me, this is a significantly better team who is number two in the Patriot League here. They have to win this tournament to be able to to make the big dance. I think three and a half is too short here. So I'll lay it with Lehigh, who I think is going to win by double digits today.
2: Uh, All right, let's go then to the Missouri Valley. This is an interesting spot because this is a rematch, right? Murray State and Valparaiso just faced one another, uh, what, back on uh, last Sunday, I think it was. Very close game, goes to overtime. So how does that play into this neutral site matchup between these two? Right now we're looking at a spread of one in favor of Murray State, total 140 and a half. Yeah, so this jumped out
3: at me for a couple reasons. First off, I bet Murray State minus six in that last game. My model actually had them around an eight-point favorite, so I was willing to lay the six at home. They really struggled early in that game, only had 11 points through nine minutes of that first half, able to turn it on later. Actually, we're in coverland there for part of the second half and a little bit of the overtime. But this is a spot where when i'm playing these smaller conference tournaments i want to look at how you did against the overall conference and specifically here this is a play against for me when you look at a team that was only went only went 5 and 15 in conference but all 5 of the conference wins here for Valpo came against the 9th, 11th and 12th best teams in the Missouri Valley Conference they beat 0 teams in the top 8 that's where Murray State sits. I wasn't sure if I was going to play this when it opened at plus two and a half or minus two and a half. But now that it's got down to minus one for Murray State, I'm willing to lay just the single point here for the team that's significantly better in the Missouri Valley Conference. I think it's going to become out motivated here after only winning by one on their home court.
4: So that's a great point. You talk about looking at how a team is stacked up against the rest of the conference. You also mentioned some of these numbers not being as sharp for the lower level conference tournaments. What are some other just like key areas of Areas of emphasis that you look at with some of these conference tournaments, what should better betters know when they come into this first week?
3: Well, it's interesting. You have a couple aspects of just how often these teams play in these conference tournaments. So you're going to see teams play three nights back to back to back. uh, And that's something they're just not used to. They're used to playing two games a week. So you have to keep an eye on the legs, specifically teams that shoot the three pointer well. I'm looking at playing their team totals under on the second or third night, especially if they're playing a team that's solid on perimeter defense. I'm also looking at game total unders here because you you, a lot of times we'll see these college teams break down later in the season, later in these games, especially in the conference tournament when it's back-to-back nights or three nights in a row that they're playing. So I tend to lean toward unders. I like second-half unders for teams that rely on the three-pointers because those legs start to get a little bit more tired on those second and third nights. And then I look for teams that control the pace as well. A lot of times when you have... A team that plays a slower pace, picking on a team that plays a little bit faster, that slower pace dominates in these conference tournaments because players are a little bit tighter. So I'm looking for mainly unders in these conference tournaments, specifically the second and third night that these teams are playing, and teams that control the pace that can keep that game style slower and in a more pressure-packed situation.
2: For these tournaments that are played on, on true home courts, do you ratchet up home court at all when it comes to rating those out in these must-win games? I don't. Um, it's interesting because a lot of times you have more
3: travel on those home courts on those days from road teams because it is the conference tournament. So I don't move that home court up more than I would naturally have it for a regular home court game.
4: Do you like once the bigger leagues get going like the big 12, big 10, I I guess we used to say ACC, not so much anymore, but SEC, um, do you come with the similar strategy in hand or do you have to approach those leagues a little bit different?
3: I will generally approach those a little bit differently. I think you see more upsets in those tournaments. You have the one and two seeds from these smaller tournaments. They have to win to get into the dance. In the the major five conferences, you need wins to be able to improve your resume, but you don't necessarily need to win the tournament. I think you see more motivated, higher seeds early in these lower-level tournaments uh, simply because they have to win to be able to get into the dance, whereas you know, the Big 12, the Big 10, the ACC tournaments, the one and two seeds don't need to win those tournaments to be able to make it through.
2: You bet tournament futures at all, like when it comes to these conference tournaments, or are you just a game-to-game guy? I'm not a big future player. If I was, this is a good spot for it because you're not
3: tying up your money for very long. You're only tying it up for for a couple days versus weeks or months. Uh, But generally, I would rather bet game-to-game and try and find edges there in the lines because the hold is usually higher in the the futures markets, and I'd rather make that money work for me over the process of the couple days.
4: Here with professional handicapper Mike Somich, who joins us on the Lombardi line. A short four-game slate in the NBA tonight. Anything that you're looking at?
3: I think this uh, this Pacers Spurs game is really interesting, and uh, the pro tip here for me for this this for today is specifically trying to find ways to play against these tanking teams. You've got three teams in the NBA that are absolutely going to tank: the Spurs, the Rockets, and the Pistons. And the Spurs and the Rockets specifically have started out terribly after the break. Here they're one and six against the spread. So I'm trying to find ways to consistently play against them. With Wembenyama, that number one pick, you're going to see teams be overly aggressive this year compared to other years in the tanking market. And so you've got to be careful, though. This is an interesting spot here, because the Pacers are laying five and a half, and we don't know about Halliburton. I don't want to just blindly lay the five and a half of the Pacers here, but this is a situation where I'm interested in the Pacers' team total over 121 and a half. Uh, the Spurs are the second fastest pace of play team in the NBA. The Pacers are the fourth fastest. The Spurs are the worst defensive efficiency team in the NBA. They're giving up close to 120 points a game without having that fast-paced team that they're facing here in the Pacers. These two teams have played once before in the season. That game finished 137-134, so 271 total points in that game flew over the total there. I think the play here is to to fade the Spurs by playing the Pacers team total over 121 and a half. I think you're going to see points galore in this spot, even without Halliburton on the floor. So I'll take the Pacers team total over as a way to try and fade the Spurs here in this game.
2: Answer my question. I was going to ask if that changed anything for you, if Halliburton didn't end up playing tonight. I still expect a ton of shots on both sides. When you look, both these teams averaged in the top 10 in the NBA in shots
3: attempted a night, so you're still going to get those shots to be able to put up. Uh, The Spurs are giving up over 50% from the floor in the NBA, which is absolutely atrocious on the defensive side of the ball. They're also coming off a win here, and that was against the Jazz, where the Jazz shot 35% from two, 30% from three. It wasn't the fact that they played better defense. The Jazz just missed a ton of shots in that game, so I think you're going to have a Spurs team who is under-motivated here, picking up that win in their last game and and a game where you're going to see close to 200 shots thrown up just a crazy amount of shots so to me the over there is is the easier play
4: yeah that win against utah snapped a 16 game losing streak for the spurs uh let's talk a little stick and puck in the nhl one game at the end of the night 7 30 p.m pacific 10 30 eastern two teams that the last couple weeks has not been particularly friendly to either of them in the san jose sharks and st louis blues why do you like the sharks here
3: yeah, this this one pains me. I'm a Blues fan. Happened since <laughs> oh. I was about four, uh, and it's been a rough couple weeks. They traded away Tarasenko to the Rangers. O'Reilly headed to to, to Toronto. Just gave up Barbashev, who headed to the, the Las Vegas Golden Knights. They have lost four straight in just awful fashion since trading O'Reilly. They lost two games back to back by I think it was like six or seven goals. They lost to Pittsburgh. That was right after their coach absolutely ripped into the top end talent, saying they weren't even trying. So if you ever were going to show up for a game. It was that game against Pittsburgh. They still lost, they got beat handily by the Kraken a couple of nights ago. To me, the St. Louis team is in an absolute free fall. You're essentially starting an AHL team in the bottom three lines right now on the offensive side of the puck. Their defense is just discombobulated. You have three of their players on the defensive side who are in trade rumors right now just an awful spot for St. Louis. I like San Jose at home here laying the minus 120. I even played him on the puck line minus a goal and a half at plus 200 to try and get a little plus money in there as well.
4: Only about 30 seconds left here. Any teams in the NHL that you're excited about as the playoffs get closer?
3: Uh, I said I don't bet futures I just bet Colorado three to one to win the Western Conference Uh, I think they have a massive edge there when you look at the other teams that are in the top five betting choices you're looking at teams like the Oilers who I have absolutely no faith faith with on the defensive side of the puck Colorado's starting to get healthy at the right time here and they're starting to play like they did down the stretch when they play well and when their defensemen are able to skate the puck up the ice The ice gets really tilted very quickly for Colorado. They're able to dominate long stretches of games, especially five on five. And in the playoffs, when you're playing five on five, that's a huge edge. Shop the number. This is as low as plus 150, as high as plus 300, depending where you're looking.
4: You are awesome. Thank you so much, Mike.
3: Appreciate it. Have a great day, guys. Thanks.
4: Mike Samich, professional handicapper at Samabomb 18. When we come back, turning our attention to Indy and the NFL Combine, Eric Broughton joins the show.
1: This is the Lombardi line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network.
4: If you're looking for a betting edge on the NHL, NBA, or college hoops, the VSIN experts have you covered. Become a VSIN Pro subscriber with our introductory offer of just $9.99. VSIN Pro subscribers get access to the daily recap of top plays made from VSIN show hosts and guests. Tools like betting splits, deep dive betting reports, VCN betting guides for the biggest games of the year, including bracket breakdowns, top plays, and daily props. Don't miss out though. It's a limited time offer. Visit VCN.com slash subscribe and sign up again, just $9.99. That's VSIN.com slash subscribe. Stormy Bonantoni and Jonathan Von Tobel at the desk in Las Vegas. As we welcome in Eric Froton, who is live in Indianapolis, where he has been holding down the fort, doing some great work over there at the NFL Combine, NFL Draft Analyst for NBC Sports. Welcome in, and thank you so much for taking the time with us. We appreciate it.
6: Absolutely excited to be here and excited to talk about the draft and the combine.
4: Yes. And we all expect, you know, anytime that we have a draft analyst or somebody at the combine that we're going to talk about quarterbacks right off the top, but the story has certainly been over the last 24 hours, Georgia star defensive tackle Jalen Carter. Um, what's the latest with your understanding as it pertains to how people are approaching the Carter situation.
6: Sure. Well, it's gosh, the timing is so amazing because mm. You know, Literally, we're in the interview room uh, of the NFL scouting combine. It's interior defensive linemen, edge players, and linebackers yesterday. So the amazing thing is we had, he was in the third group that was coming through. So we're at the podium, the entire media cuz nobody was in any other podiums cuz Jalen Carter, he was scheduled five minutes after the, that was released. He was scheduled to be on that podium. And he never ended up coming out. So obviously, you know, the speculation let it run amok. Um, it's obviously not a great look for Jalen Carter. Gosh, nobody wants to have that. Literally, as you're about to go up the podium in the scouting combine. But uh, you know, this drastically changes the metrics and the odds. For what we're looking at for that first defensive player taken. Uh, all those odds have drastically shifted. And you know, before this happened, Will, uh, you know, Will Anderson was at plus one thirty. Uh, at least where I think he closed, and Jalen Carter was actually right at about even to be that first defensive player taken. Uh, I can't wait to see what the odd shift will look like with that for Mr. Anderson. He's going to be the prohibitive favorite, but uh, when these lines come back up, I would think that you know I'm interested in seeing what Tyree uh, Simpson particularly will be looking at for his line, since I feel like he might have the best shot. Uh, as an underdog to be able to that first defensive player taken.
2: Do you really think that this is going to be something that knocks him off of being the first guy taken?
6: Uh, for a, a defensive player? Yeah. I think it could. You know, this, uh, this is the NFL, you know, and everything that they're doing is being looked at under a microscope. Uh, everywhere that you are here in Indianapolis, uh, people are watching. You know, so with the fact that you have a talented number two in Will Anderson, which if you need an edge – Uh, You know, pressure, if that's what you're looking to do, well, at 235 pounds with the acumen that he has showed on the pass rush, his speed to power combo, everything that he has, he's a a complete edge outside linebacker prospect. I think with such a easy pivot, uh, if that's something that you're looking for on the defensive side, I think it really hurts the stock.
4: So he did go back yesterday to Athens, Georgia is now in Indy once again to complete the medical portion and the interviews, some other things out there as a part of the combine. And I I guess the follow up to that is how far do you think he realistically could fall before someone is like, okay, this is out of hand. I need to jump up and go grab this guy.
6: Well, talent wise, I mean, it is I, I felt very comfortable before coming into the comment before this happened that Jalen Carter was the number one uh player in terms of overall talent. so it that is that doesn't go away simply because there was a misstep on his part. Um so given that, I, I think you see there aren't a lot of you know uh, uh comps for sort of like something like this happening for him. the closest I yeah. could say would maybe Laramie Tunsil. Uh, where yeah. he had a a gas mask uh, apparatus, we'll say that was sort of that situation was leaked right beforehand. And he dropped pretty, uh, you know, at least a dozen or so spots. So maybe that's the closest thing I could, I could use as, as a comparable. I don't think he gets past 15, even with this issue, um, because they were, I believe they were misdemeanors. And yep. um, you know, a misdemeanor. How far is that really going to drop you?
4: It's not a felony,
6: so I would think that that would be his absolute floor. Would be 15. He can't fall out of the first, the top half of the first round with his I, talent.
4: I wonder what oddsmakers would set his over/under at if it oh. when if and when it re-comes back up.
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, we have a lot of time between now and the yeah. draft, and uh, I think. People in front of offices tend to forget about stuff like this if everything's cleared up in like the next month. By the and time he, we actually and he, get to it, and he with his
4: statement, he believes that it will be. Yeah, so
2: we'll see if that's actually going to case. So, Eric, I'm curious as we're talking about all this. Let, let's start with the, you know, the team that was going to take him if they had traded back. That was going to be the Chicago Bears. Uh, we heard from Chris Ballard. He actually called us and he told <laughs> us about you know we heard the quote right that about the hey you disagree with the concept that trading up for the number one overall pick is the way to do things do you, if I were to make odds in terms of the teams, or you tell me odds in terms of the team to grab that first overall pick, because it does seem that Chicago wants to get out of there. Should the Indianapolis Colts be the odds on favorite? Does this change things? Does another team now have a little bit more leverage to get up to number one outside of a top four team like Indianapolis?
6: Well, gosh, I'm sitting here right now. As we speak, I'm looking at Lucas oil stadium and not just that, but the Ursay family YMCA, which is right across the street from it. So, uh, I, I, forgive me if I'm leaning towards Indianapolis, but look, we've seen, Jim Say is a guy who is not afraid to make unconventional moves or decisions that are perceived to be unpopular. Uh, I don't think he's going to allow his team to go without selecting one of CJ Stroud or Bryce Young. I do think that he, the Colts will end up making a move up into that range. And I think you will see them make that selection. That's my my personal belief.
4: Here with NFL draft analyst for NBC Sports, Eric Froton. Who are you most excited to see work out this week?
6: Uh, in terms of people who work, say, you know, that we've got some incredible lines in terms of the 40-yard dash that have been put out there in the marketplace. I want to see Trenton Simpson, uh, linebacker for Clemson, run the 40. He actually was initially lined at 4-4-1, which for a player who's 6'3", billed at 240 pounds, that would be an absolutely superhuman sort of a time. Uh, going along those lines with a 40-yard dash, I want to see Devin A. Chain running back for Texas A&M run. A. Chain was a Olympic-caliber sprinter. Uh, throughout the course of his A&M career, he would play uh, football you know, during the fall, and then he would actually transition over and lose, you know, some of that football weight to run the four by one hundred relays for the Texas A and M team. So he is an elite, elite, legitimate world class track athlete, and he's lined at four point two nine seconds for that. Now, to put it in perspective, last year the fastest time at the combine was Kalen Barnes at four point two three in the forty, in the hundred meters. Right, because he's a fellow track guy. Uh, Devin a beat him by 22 hundredths in the 100 meters. In the 200 meters, he beat him by a second and a half in terms of his best times. If Kalen Barnes is going 4.23, you have Devin Chain uh listed at 4.29. I like that under on his, uh, on his 40 time. And I think we could see a blistering speed out of him.
2: Awesome. Who's the first wide receiver taken?
6: Uh, I think that, you know, obviously the current odds are... Quentin Johnson, I believe he's plus 110 right now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go on a limb here. I don't think Quentin Johnson is the first wide receiver taken, and here's why. He was initially lined at 4.38 for a 40 yard dash. He immediately corrected up 600s to 4.44. I don't think he breaks 4.5. And with the inconsistency that I saw from Quentin Johnson on tape, where he disappears for a few games at a time, you know. You can't, that's not what I'm looking for, for the alpha 6'4", 215-pound big wide receiver. If you looked at Drake London last year, who was a pretty decent comp, uh, he is a similar big wide receiver. They're two completely different play styles. Drake London was an absolute bully. Uh, His hands were pristine, catching outside his frame. I don't see that with Quentin Johnson, especially downfield, where he has a tendency to catch the ball within the purview of right in front of his eyes. He doesn't go up. He doesn't go outside of his frame. And I think that him running a plus four or five is going to depreciate his market. So I don't think it'll be him. Uh, as far as the marketplace looks like, uh, Addison and JSN are both very close in terms of where they're aligned. I think gut call Jordan Addison. Okay. I 65 at said.
4: One more gut call. About 20 seconds left with you. Who goes number one overall?
6: Bryce Young. He is the best quarterback in this class. Uh, As I stated, I think that Colts or some other team is going to trade up in order to acquire him because that is the most important position in the NFL. Is he small? Yes, but his arm talent is the top in the class, and he's shown the ability to do the two-minute drill as good as
2: anybody.
4: Eric, you're awesome. Thank you so much for doing this and enjoy Indy. Thank you. Eric Froton, and uh, you were doing a little fist pump there.
2: Bryce Young era, Elliot, it's going to start soon. Let's do it. (laughs) That was the greatest victory by any coach coach ever, blowing it against the Minnesota Vikings. Brilliant. Brilliant job by Jeff Saturday.
4: The Houston Texans probably really, really hate themselves, by the way, that they don't have that number one overall pick. Unfortunate stuff. When we come back, we are wrapping things up here on the Lombardi line, looking at the biggest games of the night. Don't go anywhere.
5: Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: This is The Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on vSEN, the sports betting network.
4: BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like bonus bets and bet insurance tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas? You can also convert your BetMGM points into BetMGM Rewards that you can use towards dining, shows, and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We are wrapping things up. Live from Las Vegas, Stormy Bonantoni and Jonathan Von Tobel and had a really interesting conversation about kind of the the future of Jalen Carter as it pertains to his standing in the NFL drafts with Eric Froton of NBC Sports a few moments ago. And as we were talking in the break, we just kept on diving deeper and deeper in this. And it's hard to imagine, JVT, that should this just be misdemeanor charges mm-hmm. and we don't find out any more, like, information that goes along with his involvement being more serious than what we know right now with the crash on January 15th that, like... Not to say that this will get swept under the rug, but for a guy who is largely considered to be the top prospect, period, in this NFL draft, that he really falls.
2: Yeah, I, so his next hearing is on April 18th, it seems. So that's nine days before, I think, coming up in terms of the NFL draft. Right? The NFL draft would be the April The timing 27th. of
1: this stuff. Right, Jesus.
2: So <laughs> the timing's tough. and So if there's something still hanging around here, potentially. But I would say this. If it plays out like Carter says and everything is going to be cleared by the time we get there and there is no sentence in terms of time. And frankly, I would say we were talking about this off the air, a bail of $4,000 kind of gives us an idea of what this really looks like. I I think it it would be, it'd be foolish to look at it and go, he's going to slip to like 10 or 14 or anything like that. NFL teams have drafted players who have been in worse situations. And I think when you, they look at this realistically, I think we have seen before that winning is something or maximizing what your team can be is something that takes a little bit more importance, right? than the social standing and everything that it matters for a lot of their communities that these teams are involved in. So in other words, what I'm trying to say here without standing uncouth, is I think by the time we get to the NFL draft and if there's nothing in terms of actual time that he has to spend away from the team, that's going to be there. I highly doubt that a Chicago bears mm-hmm. who would really want a guy who fits in their system like that would be scared off of taking him if they trade back to four and they get it from Indianapolis.
4: And I mean, we, we joke about this. I feel like all the time with various things, but winning cures everything. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you feel confident that that's a guy that's going to help you win and change the trajectory of your franchise or your defense, you're probably going to, going to go ahead and do that. And
2: I want to emphasize, like, I'm not saying whether they should or should not, yeah, we're not right? saying it's right
4: or wrong, but,
2: but, but I think we have a long track record in the national football league of saying those things do take a back seat to making sure that I put the best roster forward and win games.
4: So with that, from a betting perspective, he was an odds-on favorite to be the first defensive player taken off of the board. If this thing reopens and he's a plus-money price, is that something you jump on?
2: I would, yes. Yeah, I think so. I mean, unless, I think, especially when we're talking about if he starts to bump to, like, like the second choice or the third choice, right? If, like, there's a real overreaction by the market, I would say absolutely.
4: Let's say they set an over-under at, four and a half for his draft placement. What do you do?
2: Well, it depends on what the price would be. You probably
4: minus one 30 under.
2: Yeah, bet that. I mean, just given the fact that he's probably going to go four, so you're essentially betting, will he go to the Indianapolis Colts? Or no, excuse me. The Chicago bears who are going to trade from the Indianapolis Colts. If that trade takes place. So if the trade takes place, like we think then, yeah.
4: Okay. Interesting. All right, we got a number of um, big games coming up in the NBA and in college basketball. Uh, I don't have any action in the um, some of these lower-level tournaments. We've got the Missouri Valley, the Horizon League, the Patriot League, mm-hmm. um, the OVC, the list goes on and on of all of the, the leagues that are going on right now. But there are some notable games in the Power Five conference. We talked about one of these with Will Hill when he was on with us earlier, but Arizona at USC on ESPN. A lot of money has come in on the Wildcats looking to bounce back from that crazy loss to their in-state rival Arizona State. They were a 12.5-point favorite in that game. They lost outright on that crazy last-second shot facing a USC team. They beat pretty handily in Tucson about a month and a half ago. Um, Any thoughts on this one with USC? I know Will Hill liked taking the points with the Trojans.
2: Yeah, I think I would lean that way, too. I I think the market is kind of overvaluing maybe the situation for Arizona, right? Trying to bounce back, as you say. There is some things that I think work against them. USC has not been a very good defensive rebounding team in conference play. Arizona has done a pretty good job on the offensive glass, uh, rebounding about 31.2% of their missed shots. That could be something that works in their favor, but... A lot of these projections had this as about like a one-point victory, if that, for Arizona, and this is now like mm-hmm. two and a half, maybe getting to three. I think it's that full three for sure. I think it would be a play on USC.
4: USC 14-1 and on home court, riding a four-game win streak coming into this game, and I joked about it with Will, but the very contrarian play, about 19 yep. to 20% of bets coming in on USC, and this is one of the more heavily bet games of the evening. We also have Arizona State at number four, UCLA coming up tonight. The Bruins in a little bit of a tricky spot here potentially because they did just wrap up. Up the Pac-12 title on Sunday. ASU, though, may be in a letdown spot after the right. emotional win over Arizona. Um, I think both teams are pretty motivated here. I I have a lean of taking the 11 and a half. I would prefer it 12, which I know is still out there if you can get it. But, I mean, Bobby Hurley's squad right now is currently the last team in, in Joe Linardi's bracketology on ESPN. And, yes, UCLA is trying to get that one seed. Don't get me wrong. Yep. Um, but they just have to win the game. They don't necessarily like the point spread. Here seems inconsequential. If I'm UCLA, yeah, just win the game.
2: It, it, look, UCLA. It, you're right. In, but UCLA. Both of these teams have a lot of motivation. And so for anybody to think that UCLA right. doesn't it, like, they've got a lot. Especially Cronin has come out and talked about. Right. I think did he call the first bracket reveal comical or something like that? Yeah. He didn't like the way that they had uh, been rated. So look, I would not come in and think neither one of these teams is going to come in and motivated as to whether or not they're going to win this thing. Uh, look for Arizona State. I if we're if we're putting more weight on like the situation for both of these, I think I'd put a little bit more weight in Arizona coming off of a big win on the road to play another road game against UCLA to be in the worst position here against the Bruins. So I would lean a little bit here toward laying it with UCLA, who does have some really big motivations in terms of the national picture. Um, it was not a play for me, but I think if we're looking at this, and especially if we know what Arizona State has been in conference play, they mm-hmm. haven't been a very good offensive team. They don't get to the free throw line. They can't shoot the ball. And if they take on a UCLA team who can you know, defend pretty well, especially along the perimeter, doesn't foul a lot and get teams to the free throw line. I think this is one that works in UCLA's favor.
4: We are slightly at odds here, but I understand your reasoning. Absolutely. It was a 12-point game the First time they played back in January, so my hope is that they can get it done again.
2: Now rub it in your face next Wednesday if they don't.
4: Yeah, or classic. Monday.
2: Are you here Monday? Love oh, that for me. Right,
4: yes, I am here Monday. Okay, let's go to the NBA. Um, four games on the docket coming up tonight. You are our NBA expert. What are your most interesting um, games and spreads tonight?
2: So uh, well, we'll start with Philadelphia and Dallas, just because we don't know what's going to happen with Joel Embiid. And yeah. th- this is important because this is a number that's off if Joel Embiid is going to play. This shouldn't be the number if Embiid's going to be active and healthy. So three and a half is a good middle ground. You see the market do this all the time. If Embiid's not going to play, say this probably goes to about four and a half, maybe five. And if he does play, this should close near pick, uh, I would say at least. And if it doesn't, there's still going to be some value there. So anything better than 76ers uh, minus one, if Embiid's going to play tonight, it would be worth playing. The Mavericks have been terrible defensively, and so that's going to be something to watch. And then in the Western Conference, this is a really big game between Golden State and the Los Angeles Clippers. This is the five of the six seed. The Clippers are trying to desperately avoid going into that play-in realm and trying to stay solidly in the top six. Same thing with the Golden State Warriors. Clippers are 0-3 straight up and against the spread since the All-Star break. They have been breaking in new rotations and lineups. Markets moved in their favor. I agree with the move. Ah, uh, but with this uh, fickle nature of what Tai Lu's been doing with his rotations, mm-hmm. can't really buy into it a lot.
4: But it's a massive game tonight. Yeah, and it's going to be a fun one, no doubt. Those games, by the way, the Thursday night doubleheader on TNT beginning at seven o'clock Pacific time, I believe, or is that yeah?
2: Uh, that one's seven o'clock tonight. Yeah, yeah. Yes. This one yeah.
4: sometimes. Yeah, it'll
2: probably be like seven thirteen because you know the first yeah, one takes forever. Whatever.
4: Um, okay, so you're going to be back here tomorrow with Femi. The first. Femi Friday iter- iteration of the new Lombardi line structure. Yes. Um, and that'll be a lot of fun. So Femi and I are now splitting duties with the Lombardi line moving forward, which is awesome. I am headed out today, actually, going to D.C. for the XFL because the defenders and St. Louis Battle Hawks are going head-to-head at Audi Field. Two two and O teams trying to get people excited here about the XFL. It's actually going to be fun. Um, two two and O teams going head to head. The defenders are a two and a half point home favorite. Total in the game sitting 36 and a half right now, and their fan base is going to be insane. They had their beer snake taken away last game. If you don't know what that is, please Google it because it's hysterical. And the fans were so upset about it, they were throwing lemons on the field. The whole end zone reeked of beer, but. They were told they get the beer snake back. Okay. Nobody's going to be confiscating this bad boy. Section 136 is going to be rowdy. It's going to be, I think, a really high moment in my broadcasting career to get out there into the stands. So wish me luck. Okay. But I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be fun. I think it's the game of the week. So check it out on FX, 1 o'clock Eastern time on Sunday. That's a wrap for today's edition of the Lombardi Line, but make sure you check out JVT and Femi tomorrow. Thank you.